the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. Today on the episode... Today on the episode, on today's episode, um, I have a very elusive guest. Um, He was supposed to be on the show, and then he wasn't going to be on the show, and then he was going to be back on the show, and then he was retiring from professional wrestling to then showing up and being signed to to AEW, uh, working in New Japan, GCW, this man is kind of everywhere right now. Uh, But I've got Leo Rush on the show, and honestly, I really enjoyed this conversation. I enjoy getting to pick his brain, get sort of his perspective on who he is as a man, the responsibilities that fall on this guy's shoulders. Uh, the things that he wants to achieve throughout his career and all the things he's already been able to do. I mean, the ups and downs of Leo Rush from his time in WWE to kind of what went down there from being released to showing up in AEW and then, you know, having an injury to being sidelined. There's so many different things to dissect here and kind of unpeel with Leo Rush, but he's, he's a very complex character and I, I enjoyed being able to sit, I'd say across from him, but it was all on zoom, but fantastic. Nonetheless, any hoodles, let's get into it. I think you guys are really going to enjoy hearing his perspective on everything and, and who he is. Here he is. Here's Leo Rush. How are you doing? This has been a long time coming. It has, it has, and I'm so excited to to be a part of it. I'm I'm doing pretty good, and uh, I'm I'm glad that I'm on here to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So first and foremost, what is the status of your shoulder right now? I'm cleared. I'm I'm good to go. Um, I think at this point, it's just like a maintenance thing, just to make sure that it doesn't happen again. But uh, I feel I feel good. Um, yeah, it's it's a very strange thing because it's my first injury like this. So uh, yeah, I'm doing good though. So run me through what happened, because I mean, I just like even me at the beginning of this being like, oh, it's been a while because we were like scheduled to do this. And then you had the injury and we weren't really sure what was going on with you. So run me back to what happened with this injury and everything that kind of happened with AEW. I know that it was super confusing to everybody. And I think it was even more confusing. Uh, And I didn't even realize this um, until like literally the other day uh, when I watched it back for the first time. But You couldn't even tell that I got hurt in the match. It happened right in the middle of me being in there for the time that I was in there. So it was it was doing a move that I hit, you know, hundreds and thousands of times. And it was just one of those things where timing was just completely screwed and gravity and weight just didn't agree with (laughs) with my body. And I separated my AC. Um, kept going on in the match. And then when I got eliminated, uh, I was already planning on just laying there to soak in the moment. Um, but when I decided to get up, um, it was like something wasn't connected with my brain to my arm and I just couldn't, my arm couldn't move. Uh, and I freaked out immediately. Uh, and I called somebody over to me and told them that I couldn't pick up my arm. So they carried me out and Um, I didn't really know that I separated anything. I thought it was just like a bruise or I thought it was just whatever. I'll put some ice on it. I wake up and I'll be fine. Um, but you know, as I was talking to Tony after the match, I just couldn't stop thinking about how bad my shoulder hurt. 
Um, and it, it sucked. Uh, yeah, I got the MRI and that's when I figured out that, you know, I was going to be out for, for a period of time. Yeah. So what was the conversation that you had with Tony? Cause at that time you had signed with AEW, right? So actually that night when I came back the gorilla, he had offered me a contract right there, but it was just such a surreal thing because it was just so much going through my head, like in that, in that moment, like I couldn't even fully focus on, you know, what Tony was telling me, you know, I was in so much pain. Um, I was wondering if I was okay, if I was even able to, you know, take this deal. And, you know, I was going through, I was going through a lot of things, you know, personally at the time that um, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. I was going through a lot of personal things at the time and it made me, it made me just think about everything. And um, I just knew that I couldn't make that decision right then and there. So I just waited until I got um, back home to LA and, you know, got my MRI and just tried to make a decision from there. I mean, I can't imagine that was an easy decision to come to. I mean, having the injury on top of everything can at least kind of steer you in one direction. What kind of went into the thought process of decide, like when you had decided that you were going to retire from professional wrestling? I mean, for anybody that's listening to this, that, that hasn't really followed my career all that much. I started wrestling and training when I was 17 years old, got signed to Ring of Honor when I was 19, got signed to WWE when I was 22. Uh, but all during this time, you know, I had my first son when I was 18 years old. And I never stopped moving. Uh, I was always, I was always pushing forward and I wasn't home as much as I would like to be. There was times where, you know, I had guilt for not being the dad that I always dreamt of being. You know, even when I was signed to WWE, I had my second son. But of course, you know, that schedule is even more happening. And, um, you know, there was, there was a lot. And, you know, my personal life was starting to take a turn for the worst. And I, I saw the trajectory in which was going. I think during that time when I got released from WWE and I got put on the challenge for MTV and I was doing a bunch of uh, stuff for New Japan and AAA and um, MLW. I mean, it looked like my career was like flourishing, but during the pandemic, we all had to work, you know, twice, four times as hard to try to, you know, make up for financial losses that we had uh, during the pandemic. So, I was I wasn't home even more. And then my wife, <laughs> you know, got pregnant and um, that put a lot of uh, thought in my head, you know, and I had with my frustrations with just the business in general. And it was a lot going through my mind. And uh, to me, ultimately came down to did I want to go after, you know, and continue to push my dreams and 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 hopefully become you know, in this position or be in a position financially that, you know, I might put myself in or, you know, and if I do take that, what does my personal life look like? You know, and I just wasn't willing to risk that. I wasn't willing to, to jeopardize, you know, my family anymore. Uh, I wanted to be a, a, a dad. I wanted to be a husband. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be in that position when, I mean, your livelihood is being on the road and it's wrestling. And, it's, you know, I mean, I know you've got a million different things that are constantly going on, but trying to strike that balance between, you know, a happy, normal, air quotes, personal life and this entertainment world. It's really hard to try to like strike that balance and figure all that out. So, I mean, I commend you for being able to take the time away and sorting yourself out and wanting to, to come back. What were some of the frustrations that you were having with uh, with the wrestling business leading up to this? I don't like to complain about 
a lot. I'm, I'm the kind of person that, you know, if I don't like really agree with something or if I don't go with something, I'll just say, you know, fuck it. I'm just whatever. It's whatever. I don't care that much to put that much energy into it. But it came down to a point where like within wrestling, I think I got a lot thrown at me very quickly. And the only thing that I knew how to do was, you know, adapt and adjust who I was and what I was used to, to try to fit within that, you know, space that I was in. But I don't think a lot of people agreed with that. I think I had a lot of anger in me. I had a lot of resentment early in my career. I didn't really understand, you know, why people felt certain ways. And it's okay to, to feel a certain way because I get it. I understand that this is a hard business. And, you know, sometimes you have guys that spend, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, putting everything into it and some don't get out what they put in and I get it and it hurts. It sucks. And, you know, I can understand even somebody like me because I'm not the only one, but you see guys that, you know, they'll get signed or they'll get pushed in a way where you wish that that was you, or you wish that you had that kind of momentum behind you. So I just think I got thrown a lot at me pretty quickly and politics played a huge role. And, I had a lot of people, you know, try to tear me down. I had a lot of people, you know, try to, um, I don't know, get a, get ahead of the curve away. What was sort of like the preconceived notion of you, in your opinion? I think a lot of people thought that I was super cocky. And that honestly hurt me to my core. It sucks when that's the stigma, like, about you. Um, and I think, I think me, I'm just a very driven person. I'm very driven. I'm very confident in my abilities. I know what I'm capable of as, you know, everyone else does. I think a lot of people thought that I was, I was cocky and which wasn't the the case at all. You know, I just believe in myself so much. I'm a self-motivated kind of person. You know, I I like speaking things into existence. I like, you know, saying that I'm going to do something and then doing it, you know, not for anybody else, but for me, I think also a lot of people don't, take into account that there is a such thing as introverts and extroverted people within the wrestling company. <laughs> sure. I always went there, you know, work. I had, I had other things to think about. So it's not like I was going to work to try to make friends. And, you know, obviously friends are great, but that's not my number one priority. I don't know. I, just, I was just in a very unfortunate, hard position and I can see why things went the way that they did for me. But at the same time, it does suck. Were there ever conversations that you were having um, with, you know, higher ups in the company to try to change that ideal that people had of you in their minds? Like, did they try to get you to change or to try to like, you know, change that perception of you? I remember, and I could be a slightly wrong, but the two instances that I remember, one was Bobby, because I was working with him every week and we would talk all the time. And he knew me better than, than anybody did. I mean, he knew what kind of person I was. He knew my, my values, you know, my morals and everything like that. But one person that I didn't really talk to all that much, but saw me from afar and, you know, he expressed that he was a fan of me, uh, was Xavier Woods. I remember he put me in a room. He was just talking to me. He just wanted to know, you know, what I was thinking, like how I was as a person and how I can, you know, maybe better assist people warming up to me in a way. What a Woods thing to do. <laughs> That's so cool that he did that, um, you know, because it was real. It was genuine. We didn't talk about wrestling. Like, it was just like, how are you? But I think the overall aura of like backstage WWE is just a little, it's a little difficult for me, at least. 
especially when you just want to do your absolute best every week and you just want to work. You just want to you know, make a name for yourself. Yeah, it's hard to not have those politics kind of get in the way it can be. I don't want to say it's like very high school. I think that's sort of like a a bleak way to put it. It's not that it's that, but I think we're all around each other so much that if it does feel like one person is pushing against that grain, it's a bit like, wait, who's this person? What are they doing? Why are they trying to change the way things are that it can it can be received kind of poorly? There are positions within that company that, you know, can highly affect uh, your finances. and. A lot of people want that. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people want to be in that position and every, and not everybody can be. Uh, so I think it creates a lot of, uh, you know, hostility and, and a lot of unnecessary tension. What were some of the conversations? I mean, I know I saw now that you are signed with AEW and you're back in the wrestling world, but you posted a picture with Mark Henry. What were some of the conversations that you had with Mark and what is your relationship like with him now? Me and Mark Henry. This is so amazing. I'm so glad that you asked this because you're the first person person to ask this. Uh, Me and Mark Henry's relationship is super cordial now. I think it came down to two very strong personalities and two very different eras of wrestling. And I think we just kind of like agreed to disagree. and. We're about to be working together now. And, you know, AEW is such an incredible place to be. And um, it would be foolish of us to carry on any kind of whatever it was, because it was it was pretty random and wild. But I want to take you back to the, the first time I was in AEW. Take me back. Let's go. <laughs> the first time I meet. Tony Khan. Uh, I remember I was walking backstage and I was trying to meet Tony Khan in person for the first for the first time. And somebody had told me that he was in his office. And I'll never forget. It was like a movie in a scene. Like I open up the door a little bit and I see Tony Khan. And then I open up even more and I see Mark. <laughs> and I'm like, out of all times, like why now? But I'm glad that that hey, happened that way because you know Tony knew about you know the little issues that we had together and. He said that we should probably, you know, talk it out, which we, we you know, we all agreed. Uh, and we talked a little bit during that night. But then I saw him again the other week and it was me coming down the hotel elevator and I open up the elevator and there's Mark Henry just solo in the elevator. And I'm like, all right, great. Destiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we started talking and then, you know, later on in the night, we figured that we should take a picture because I thought that that was a, just a pretty cool thing in itself that we were even able to have a conversation. And I thought it would be cool for everybody to know that we, you know, we kind of had that conversation and squashed. It, so, well, good. See, you got to just have these conversations, face it. I mean, Mark, I feel like once he, when he has his mind made up about something, he definitely wants to to let you know about it and he wants to step in and, and have those conversations. So it's cool that you guys were able to, to get together and actually hash some of that stuff out. Um, so your time away from wrestling, when you had put out that you were going to retire to where you're at now, what was, what kind of happened in between that window? Wow. Uh, so much, so much that I would say that it was, I mean, just life-changing during that time. Uh, like I said, I was going through so much personally. Um, I think my mental health was, you know, in a place where, you know, I haven't seen in a long time and that, and that was scaring me a little bit. 
And did this all stem from the injury? It did. More so? Yeah, okay. I think, I think it stemmed from the injury. Uh, but even before that, you know, with the pandemic and everything and, you know, knowing that my wife was, you know, going to have a, a baby while I got released, you know, from, from, my, from my job, um, it opened my eyes to so much with me just being so go, go, go since I was 18 years old. Um, I never stopped. I never stopped. I never stopped. I never stopped working. And this injury kind of forced me to stop. It forced me to sit down. It forced me to think, uh, think about, you know, what I've done. Think about what I want out of life. Think about, you know, who I am and why I am the way that I am. I think I put myself in a position to do something a little bigger than, than wrestling. I think the overall goal for me is so much bigger than wrestling. I have an opportunity to do something special in my opinion and in my eyes that that hasn't been done before. Uh, somebody of my age, somebody of my skin color, somebody that is trying to do music in a mainstream way uh, while being a wrestler at the same time. I think I have a story that is uh, unheard of and that's not like anyone else, uh, you know, being 26 years old and having so many responsibilities, uh, but also, you know, um, excelling in a profession that is pretty hard for someone of my age and my skin color. And I've had so many dips in my career and so many times where, you know, people have like counted me out. And I thought, you know, for a split seconds, you know, that it was it was over for me, but I picked myself back up and, and I kept going. Um, I think. I didn't realize that I had such an influence on this younger generation of wrestlers. And I had a lot of people around me who cared and, and loved me enough to, you know, tell me all of the things, you know, that I've done and, uh, and, and what I can do to continue to motivate and inspire and, and move uh, people around me. I'm doing this for myself, for sure. But I'm also doing this. I'm doing this for so many other people. Um, you know, my family, my, my fans. And I think I undercut the whole term of I'm so appreciative of my fans and I wouldn't be without my fans. I think a lot of people say that, but I think it has never been so true. Uh, I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for the people that, you know, are, were supporting me and who's been in my corner since day one. And even the people who, who don't like me, I think I have the, the, the capability to be an impactful person. And I think that that's a good thing in the wrestling world. Even for you to say like the people that don't like you. I mean, if that were the case, I think people look at you and see this wealth of talent and they, you know, no one wants to see talent go to waste. No matter how you feel about somebody, you want to see that talent go to use. And yeah, I mean, I think that is where success will come from is, you know, people will be rooting for you no matter what. Um, you know, I think seeing you back in this space, getting back into into the rhythm of things, how like how do you see your career going? What is it that you want to do? Like when you look at the career of Leo Rush, how like what what are these things that come together with like the music meets pro wrestling? Well, even with the music meeting pro wrestling, I think it's even bigger than that. And I and I and I feel like it has it has nothing to do with, you know, what I necessarily want. Um, I think it's just in me to be such a go-getter and like a hustler, um, that I want to do it all. Like, I, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do, but work this hard. Like I physically, I like freak out if I'm sitting down for like five minutes, I'm learning to take breaks, <laughs> but 
I, I literally want to, I want to do it all. Um, I want to, I want to act. I want to, I want to write a book. I want to make music. I want to maybe have a food truck. I want to, you know, I want to be a dad. I want to be a husband. I want, I want, I want to do everything. I just want to live life. You know, that's so strange for me to even say that because, you know, there was points where I didn't want to live life. There was points where, you know, I didn't want to be alive. So I think this injury has happened for a reason. I think I needed this break. I think I needed time to think. I think I needed time to, you know, figure out where I want to go. But when it comes to the music, uh, which is so important to me, and I think it's helped me with my mental health uh, so much, too. We've seen so many, you know, wrestlers try to do the music and wrestling at the same time. But I feel like it hasn't been as successful as like if somebody were to do like The Rock or like Cena, like somebody who's crossing over into acting, like they've made it in that mainstream world of, of acting. I want to be, you know, one of the first or if not the first, you know, people to simultaneously, you know, be within the, the music industry in a mainstream way while being, uh, you know, a professional wrestler in a mainstream way. Um, and I think I target such a, um, a core cool demographic that I feel like is untapped within like the wrestling world. That's my goal within music. You can be like the Drake of professional wrestling. I remember watching him on like TV shows in Canada and I'm like, wait, Drake from like, what are you talking about? That guy's a rapper now. And then like, oh, he's like the rapper. He's like the fucking guy. But I had no idea. I just knew him as like the actor on like these like Canadian television shows. And then he just blew up. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we haven't even seen that in sports. I mean, I I think a a lot of, you know, NBA players have tried to, you know, do that and make albums and try to cross over. But, you know, I don't know what it was. It just it just has never been, you know, really that much of a success. But That's my goal when it comes to wrestling and music. With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You're going to get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There's parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. Uh, You guys are absolutely going to love this. The thing I love the most about FanDuel is just how easy it is to use. I mean, it is truly foolproof. I can use it you can use it. I pinky swear you on that. Um, it's also the number one rated sportsbook app in America. So if that doesn't give you some assurance, I don't know what to tell you. I'm in. The app is so incredibly easy to use. Also, the fact that when you win, you'll get paid in as little as 24 hours. Place your bets, get paid. So with FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That's why they are America's number one sports book. So just sign up with the promo code Renee to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That is with my promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. Taking things back um, down the mental health road here. um, I mean, I love having these conversations. I think it's really important to have these conversations. When did you start to start to feel that you were having different issues with mental health? When I was 14, um, I went through uh, some pretty heavy things in my teenage years with, you know, going back and forth in and out of the house, uh, being in homeless, uh, well, not homeless, but group homes. What is it like growing up in a group home when you're like being young, but also being like a teenager that you're aware of what's going on? It was just such a shock to me because, um, you know, me and my family, we were so tight knit. We were so close around my like childhood years. You know, like every family, they have their ups and downs. But, you know, my situation, you know, took a turn for the worst. And, you know, the court system, you know, was getting involved and I would go to court, um, you know, to try to, you know, be on my mom's side. And, you know, me being a kid, I I don't know what's going on. I just see my mom crying. Sure. You know, I don't see my dad crying. So. So I don't really know what's happening. Um, I'm just picking my mom's side, but it just comes down to, you know, you know, I was the only, I was the only son. Um, so I kind of gravitated more towards my mom uh, and that created issues with my dad and just being a rebel in, in school and not really having my schoolwork be the focus. You know, I had so many things going on back at home that, you know, every time I would go to school, I would just like skip class or I would, you know, be doing something that I wasn't supposed to do. And then I think once my parents found out that I was going to have a son, um, you know, my dad had had kicked me out (laughs) and I uh, had to, um, you know, grow up pretty quickly. And at the same time, being on the Indies. And it was a lot, you know, just being such a close family to it leading to me and, you know, my sisters not being home anymore and being forced to stay in a group home because family members just didn't want four kids and a full adult woman in their house for for so long. So we were bouncing from house to house until it just got to a point where, you know, nobody could take us in anymore. And, you know, I think that was the saddest day of my life, I feel like. And just seeing my mom, you know, have so much like disappointment in her face and in her heart that it led to us all being in a group home together. You know, that hit us pretty hard. When you were going through that, did you, did that happen until you were about 18 and then you were legally able to go do your own thing? Like, how did that work? It it lasted for not that long at all. To this day, it's still kind of, I mean, it's just, it just affected me so much. I think, I think that time period just affected, you know, my personality, it it affected a lot and it was just such a rough time. What kind of things do you see when you're living in a group home and you're bouncing between different homes? Like it's like going into other people's homes and adjusting to like what their lifestyle is. Like how, like, how do you, I am just trying to wrap my head around, like what that's even like. You just have to adjust, adjust to the space that you're given in a way. If you have one room, you're just going to be in one room with four or five other people. You know, if you want to go get something in the kitchen, 
you're going to get something in the kitchen with complete strangers that you've never met or that you've never seen before. You're getting dressed in your car for school uh, because there's not enough space in the bathroom for, for everybody. My high school years were not <laughs> the best, um, but I think, you know, finding amateur wrestling kind of saved me uh, a lot. It gave me that outlet to uh, kind of release some anger a little bit. And I think that's why I was so successful in amateur wrestling. I was just so angry. I was so angry. What was the transition between amateur wrestling into the pro wrestling world? What was like the first thing that you saw that you're like, oh, shit, that's something that I could go do. I was always a fan of, of wrestling. I, I remember it to this day. The first thing I ever saw of wrestling was Rikishi giving Booker T a stink face <laughs> on SmackDown. And Booker T like threw up all over Michael Cole <laughs> on the announce table. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the first thing I ever saw. And I remember telling my sister like to just keep the, the channel like on this channel, like don't turn it. But I started figuring out about like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty cool. Like guys are like flying around and hitting each other and everything. And I started to really like Jeff Hardy. Uh, I started to really like Eddie Guerrero. I started to like, you know, Rey Mysterio and, you know, guys that look like me, like uh, size wise. And I thought that that was pretty cool. And I always wanted to do it. I just never knew how um, I never knew how to get into it. But that transition was so awkward because I was so invested in like amateur wrestling and I like everything like professional wrestling is like the other side. So I was like learning how to like do stuff on my left side. And I'm like, God, oh, this is so strange to me. And I had to get used to losing because I would never lose in amateur wrestling. So that was like a kind of crazy thing for me that I wasn't expecting, but it was so much fun. I think that was the first time um, since I was a, like a little kid where I was just having fun. You could be a kid. You could actually be a kid for a second. Yeah. And I just became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with it. And, you know, like everything else that I do in my life, like I want to be I want to be the very best at it. So I dedicated, you know, all of my time and and everything. I sacrificed everything to be a professional wrestler and including being there for my firstborn son. A lot of times where I wasn't there because I was chasing this dream of being a professional wrestler. It was crazy to have gotten signed when I was 22 years old. I thought that that was insane. You're a baby at 22. You're a baby. But at the same time, you weren't. You were a man with responsibilities and a kid and, you know, now having two other kids. It's like you've accomplished so much at such a young age. And I think now that people don't realize that, I think it's very easy to forget that like how much responsibility really lands on your shoulders. But yeah, I mean, to sign to WWE at 22 and have so much time ahead of you and have so much of your career ahead of you and just trying to like navigate those waters and figure it all out. What was it like uh, being paired up with, uh, with Bobby when you guys started working together? How did that idea kind of come together? Like I can still hear you chanting in my head with the, when you had like the microphone at ringside. <laughs> Oh God, that time like permanently stretched my vocal cord. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That was pretty surreal. I mean, just my whole journey in WWE was was pretty surreal to me. From the point of getting signed to me being in NXT for only two matches uh, before I got put up to 205. And then I was only in 205 for about four months before I got put up on Raw. And I was doing 205 and Raw at the same time. That came about because, oh man, 
But that stemmed from me being in the PC and just wanting to be so ready for TV and asking, I think, I believe his name is Joe Bell Castro. I remember one day asking him to, to watch my, my promo during promo class. And he said that he would. He was kind of texting while my promo was going on. I saw it in the corner of my eye. So I, I'd asked him if he watched my promo. And he had said, yeah, it was great. And I was just like, motherfucker, you didn't watch it. And it just lit such a fire underneath me. And um, I'd asked him, I I was just asking him some tips. And he had told me that I wasn't ready for TV uh, and I wasn't going to be ready for a while. It was just so much going through my head. Like I was thinking, like, why am I why am I even signed? But I took that moment to say, you know what? I think I am ready for TV. And I'm going to show you that I'm ready for TV. So I started cutting promos on my phone every day. And I would release a promo every day on my Instagram, on my Twitter. And they started really catching fire. And I was doing it every day, all up until me, you know, getting signed to 205. And I got a call uh, when I flew back home from 205 saying that I was needed for Monday Night Raw and to send my, my flight details. And I was like, what? Like, I'm needed for Raw. And they wouldn't tell me what I was doing. So, of course, I'm, I'm backstage when I get there. I'm like panicking. I don't know what's going on. And Paul Heyman had walked up to me and said, Vince had saw one of your promos that one of the writers had showed them, like from your social media. And he thought that you were great. And he wanted to pair you up with Bobby. And I was like, oh, man, that's that's so cool. Like, I, I just couldn't believe that, you know, me taking that initiative to put out promos essentially landed me a job on, on Raw. Uh, and it was seen by Vince. And Vince had pulled me into his office and said that I was going to be working with Bobby. And I didn't know what it was going to be. And he said, he kept saying like a hype man. And that was the first time. I, I mean, I'm a WWE fan. So I never heard a hype man. I was like, what is a hype man? And he said, yeah, Paul would talk to you about it. And we went in the weight room of the stadium and he was uh, <laughs> he was saying that, you know, I was essentially going to be Bobby's manager, but in a way of kind of like um, Jimmy Hart <laughs> and it was going to be loud. And I was going to wear, you know, obnoxious like suits. And I was going to, you know, I was going to, you know, be that mouthpiece for Bobby. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was the most surreal day of my life. That original promo, that was Paul's voice. Like me trying to like low weight high reps. Blah, 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 blah. Like that was all Paul. Like him saying that low weights, high reps thing, that just stuck out to me. I just kept using that. That's so funny. What a what a funny time. I mean, I, I remember all of that happening. So it's fun actually reliving this stuff with you too. Um, do you wish that you got to do more physicality on the main roster? Cause you were doing it for a little bit when they had you kind of like, you know, running around the ring and kind of like dodging people and whatnot, but you never really got to show much of that off. I was just super grateful for the, for the opportunity to even be on raw. Uh, um, and then let alone to be paired up with Bobby. I mean, like for me, I, I, that it didn't get any better like than that. Um, and although I was nervous, I was scared, you know, I was thrown to the, to the wolves in a, in a sense. And I mean, that's how it is in WWE. I feel it's like we see something in you go out there and do it and sink or swim. And it, it can be a lot. That was a lot. It taught me so much. It, it, it forced me to, uh, really hone in on my promos and, and be considered like a promo guy, which I never thought that I was going to be. 
my whole life, I was just so focused on my athletics. So, you know, getting the WWE and signing there, of course, you know, that that's my main goal. That's that's what I dreamt of since I was a kid was being a professional wrestler. Like, I don't think a lot of people, you know, say that they want to be a manager. That was hard for me to swallow just because I, I had friends that I saw get signed that went in there and ended up doing a job that they didn't want to do. But it stuck with them throughout their entire career. I was a little nervous that I was going to do it so good that I would trap myself and put myself in a position of just being a manager forever. And that was a lot. That was uh, that was a lot. But at the same time, I wanted to do my best. I, I couldn't help. I couldn't help it. Of course, I would have liked to do a lot more wrestling. I would have loved to, to wrestle more. Um, I think I would have put on some really good matches. I, I think I would have been talked about even more than I was talked about if I was wrestling. Yeah, I would have liked to wrestle a little more. Now, here you are signed with AEW um, and even in your time away from, from WWE, I mean, you've been able to do so much. I mean, you've worked in so many of the different promotions, being in New Japan, uh, you know, MLW, AAA, like you said, I mean, you've, you've kind of done it all. How different has life been on the other side of things, working in these other promotions and now uh, and now signed to AEW again? I think it's been such a cool thing, like for me, just because when I when I left WWE, um, well, when I got fired, <laughs> I didn't leave. I was just so bitter. I was angry. I was confused. And I didn't know if I even loved wrestling anymore. I didn't even know if I liked wrestling anymore. How did that phone call go? Was it just pretty like cold of like you've been released from your contract and best of luck in your future endeavors? I saw so much stuff circulating around the Internet to the point where I was really believing it. You know, I just saw so many reports from notable websites uh, saying that there was going to be a mass release in WWE today. Oh, it makes like my stomach turn when you read that stuff and you're like, don't let my phone ring. When I saw that, it was just like a little pinch, like in my heart, like I just something just felt wrong. And I called Mark Carano and I said that I saw all of these reports and I just wanted to know if it was true. And he had said, Leo, I was just about to call you. Yeah, unfortunately, we are going to be letting you go today. And we, we just want to thank you for, for everything that you've, you know, that you've done for the company. And, and, you know, hopefully this isn't the last time that we, you know, hear from you. I didn't even ask why. I just kind of took a deep breath and I was like, okay. I was like, thank you. Thank you for everything. And then literally about 15 minutes later, that first announcement that was filled with, that was the, that, I think that was the darkest day in wrestling. And then it just got even darker and darker because there was another group of people and then another group of people. And then people were just like, you know, what, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it was really scary. It was very scary. I remember like being at home and like I was still working for the company at the time and John was already moved on. But him and I just like looking at the list and we're like, holy shit, like whichever side you're on, whether you're somebody that got released or you're somebody that hadn't yet was sort of that feeling of like waiting for that other shoe to drop. I mean, it's just such a shitty feeling. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's even crazier that it seems like now it's like an annual yearly thing. Yeah. But hey, it worked out for you. You're doing great. What happened for everything for you to, to show back up on Dynamite and have these conversations with Tony? Did you approach him? Did he approach you? What, what kind of happened in there? I remember flying from L.A. to Florida. 
to have a conversation with Tony, a real conversation about, you know, just everything just about life and just him getting to know me, me getting to know him, um, because that was the first time that we met, you know, at Double or Nothing uh, when I got hurt. So we talked that night and there was a lot of me being so brutally honest uh, with him and a lot of him being brutally honest with me and him expressing how much he, he really wanted me in, in AEW. And I thought that that was so cool. I mean, that, that was the main thing for me, just because, I mean, I think, I think this, it will be the same for everyone, you know, that, that got released, you know, there was that time we felt unwanted. We felt like we were just, you know, trash and I didn't want to sign anywhere unless I was really wanted. I wanted to feel like I was a valuable asset, like to the company. And he, he reassured me of, of, of all of that. He had saw an NXT uh, road loop show within Florida and saw me and said that I stuck out to him more than anybody else on that show. Um, and I thought that that, I mean, that meant the world to me. That was pretty cool. Like he had said the match that I was in and what I did and everything. So I knew that he wasn't lying. And Tony's just such a great guy. I think that played a huge part in me wanting to be in AEW too, because, you know, I didn't want another boss like Vince. I didn't want another boss like, like Hunter. People have different opinions about Hunter, but me and Hunter, we, we kind of always butt heads for multiple stupid reasons. Um, but I, I didn't feel like that with, with Tony and I felt super connected with him and I felt like felt like he was relatable. I felt like he cared about the same things that the boys in the back cared about. He felt hungry. He felt driven and passionate. And I, I liked his energy. Like I'm all, I'm all about energy. And like, I just knew it was right. And with me doing what I was doing while I was injured uh, with, you know, rehabbing and finding out, you know, who I am and why I'm doing what I'm doing and where I'm trying to go and who I'm doing it for and stuff like that. I just saw such a, opportunity to do something bigger than wrestling. And I, I keep saying that, but I mean it in a, in a positive way, not saying that wrestling is on the back burner, but it is for me is so much bigger than wrestling. I'm trying to reach an audience that is bigger than wrestling. And I just couldn't pass up that opportunity. I think with learning what I've learned in the past, you know, my experience, all of my fuck ups, all of my, everything. I feel like I now in this very moment have the keys to success. It sounds so cheesy, but now I know what I need to do. So the trains are on the track going in the right direction. All things professional wrestling on the music side of things. Where are you at? What's the plan? What's what's kind of on the burner for that? No, for sure. I I just released uh, a new EP called Not Found um, about a week or two ago. It's being perceived really well. I think for me, um, this was kind of a project to kind of wake people up in a way. I know that I was doing music before and people were you know, listening and people knew that I did music. Um, but I think ever since I moved out here to L.A. and I've been working with uh, the right people and having the right people in my corner as far as like management and stuff like that and actually working with people within the music industry, kind of like the higher ups. I feel like I'm moving in a direction and in a way that hasn't really been seen in wrestling, I think, well, I know that I will get to where I'm going to get to eventually. I just have to stay consistent. You know, I've never been afraid to, to put in the work. So that's exactly what I'm, what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be putting out more music. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, releasing visuals for probably every song that's on my five track EP. 
um, just to wake people up and show them that I am serious about this and that it's not just a hobby. It's not a gimmick. It's super personal for me. Well, I mean, I mean, you're doing so much. Right? I mean, you're, you have a very full plate. Then on top of that, I mean, you mentioned you, you have a brand new baby at home. How is this new baby? What's going on? Tell me about dad life. Yeah, he's amazing. You make cute babies. I'll tell you that much. Oh, my God. Thank you. Cute Thank babies. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's so amazing. He's six months old now. Um, he's trying to currently crawl. Uh, no, you probably can't wait for that. Oh my God. Yes. She's like little bobblehead trying to hold herself up right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We took them to one class, like a baby gymnastics class, um, with other kids and he saw other babies like sitting up and like balancing. And then he started doing it. That was the first time <laughs> that he did it. He like freaked out. You're like, Oh my gosh. So um, he's definitely growing. Um, he's healthy. Um, yeah, he's he's awesome. Well, Leo, thank you so much for finally coming on Oral Sessions, getting to tell some of your story. I think it's uh, I think it's really cool for people to hear uh, to hear your perspective and hear all the things that you've been through. And now uh, excited to see you show up on AEW and whichever other promotions you may just show up on. Thank you so much. I'm I'm really for the first time in a long time. I'm really really looking forward to you know what's to come. I think you have a lot more people rooting for you than you think. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. A big thank you to Leo for joining me on this episode. Um, I feel like that maybe, you know, put Leo in a different light for everybody. It definitely did for me. Um, you know, even in my time in WWE with him, it's not like we, you know, really got to spend all that much time together in getting to hang out and getting to really know each other. So it's, it was cool to be able to sit and understand him a little bit more and, and hear about what he wants to do and, and where he comes from and the shoes that he's walked in his whole life. But all right, guys, this has been another episode of Oral Sessions. Until next time, keep your ears open for more Oral Sessions. Oh,